the uh, senior leadership team here at the Gathering Place. And as Chris said, Pastor John and Mark are both down on um, ministry meetings down in Mexico. So I'd like to just take a moment here and let's pray for them. You join me in, in prayer for them. Um, this is a big opportunity. We've, we've uh, seen some tremendous breakthroughs in the ministry that John has been leading down there over those churches. And there have just been some amazing things that have taken place over the years. And Mark's down at uh, the orphanage um, in... Um, it's not Guadalajara. It's, a, it's in... Um, I just blanked on the name. Guerrero. Thank you. Yes. So let's pray for them. Lord, we just lift up John and Mark as they're on these ministry trips. Father, uh, we pray for your blessing over them. I pray for, uh, I pray for your inspiration to flow through both of them. That Holy Spirit, that, uh, the gifts of the Spirit would flow through them and, and words of revelation and knowledge and prophetic ministry would take place that would help that would minister to the people that they're speaking to, that would set the captives free, that would bring blessing to all, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And we're going to, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been doing here over the past few weeks is we've been highlighting specific ministries here in the church. And we have a couple of ministries today that we want would like to highlight uh, if David and Jennifer, if you would please come forward. These are two of the, the um, I'm going to say two of the most important ministries. They're all important, right? But when you're up here, these are the two of the most important ministries that we have in the church. And so we're looking for, is your voice going to hold up so you can share? I, I think so. Okay, good. Test, test. Good morning. I'm a little nervous, and my voice is kind of funny today. So um, for those who don't know me, I'm Jennifer Davidson. I'm the head of the greeting team. And today, David and I are presenting the helps teams, which involves um, or includes setup, lighting, hospitality, the resource table, and greeting. And our, um, our vision is to serve our church and to help facilitate and prepare um, our facilities for worship and fellowship and ministry. And a few weeks ago, Pastor John was talking about how um, the enemy tries to isolate us and that one of the solutions is community. And I think one of the best ways for us to build community is through serving together and, um, and getting to know one another as we serve. And I just, um, I think especially even in um, greeting, that's how you get to know people. Even if it's just handing someone a bulletin, it's like you get to see the faces. You get to see, um, learn the names. And um, I just think it's a great opportunity for us to get to know one another. And I'm going to give it to David because I'm really nervous. like Jen said, we like, uh, we love serving you guys. Um, I mean, there's a verse that says, well, I think I have it. It is on, we have a PowerPoint, but it's not up there yet. That's okay. But here's the verse that I really like. Uh, Mark 10:45. for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for money or for many. 
for, for money. That's, 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 that's the other version. Yeah. Uh, but he came, to, he came to serve us, and our passion is to serve you guys. And we want to share that and give you opportunities to serve, serve as well. Um, so our goal is to keep the teams fresh. In order to do that, we need to keep um, enough people on the team so we can rotate once every month, twice every month. Um, just in the mornings, just afterwards. So there's plenty of opportunities to serve. So if you could, MJ, can you stand real quick? Stuart, stand. Uh, Ken, can you stand up? So these are all people on the HELPS teams. We have MJ, uh, Work and Hospitality, leading that team. We have Stuart in the resource table. We have Ken doing light setup. Jen, as you know, does uh, hospitality, and I lead the uh, – I'm sorry, Jen does – that's your job. Uh, does the greeting team, and I'm doing the, uh, the setup breakdown team. So – if you have questions or if you want to serve, there's plenty of opportunities. Come see one of us afterwards. Ken's shaking his hand up there. He really wants someone to join him on the, the lighting team. But please come uh, serve and serve your people, love your family. We're all here together, so serving the same mission. So thank you. Before you leave, before you both leave, so I want to make it clear, because these are some of the, when you think about it, Church arrives in a truck early in the morning, and these people are, are just breaking their backs, getting everything set up, all of the, the Sunday school rooms, the hospitality room, all the setup here, getting the bulletins ready to be greeting people. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous, uh, uh, they have a tremendous impact on our church. And so, first of all, I really wanted to recognize them for that, and I wanted to make it clear, so... The greeting team, you could use some help on the greeting team, right? You know, uh, we've had reports where people have come back and literally said, we were so impressed by the lady who greeted us. I mean, that is pretty special, right? I mean, that's really neat. And then, David, so then you have setup team, hospitality, lights, resource table. So those four ministries, and you can use help in all of those areas, right? So we're just looking for additional volunteers. And so these guys are doing a great job. Everybody on their teams are doing a great job. So let's thank them, and, and we look forward to seeing some more help come, to, come their way. So thanks very much. <clears throat> That's a tremendous ministry. You know, I always, it's, uh, in, in, like today, you know, with uh, the time change. Um. You know, the good news about today's time change is it's the, it's the change where if you forgot to set your clocks, you're not late, right? You get here early. Did anybody get here an hour early today? What? We spring. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. Well, at least I made it on time. That's the good news. I was worried about that. We, um, we're continuing on in the series of On Grace. I love the song that we were singing today. Uh, when heaven meets earth with a sloppy wet kiss. And it, you remember the line, and I don't know if I've got the line just right. Somebody can help me, but, uh, we fall into, we're drowning in an ocean of grace. Or it's something like that, right? We're all drowning in, drowning in an, in an ocean of grace. God's grace. Is amazing. That song is really special. We um, 
uh, Kathy and I were back in Charlotte, North Carolina when um, the, uh, the way that song came about, John Mark McMillan, who wrote it, had a very good, we know John Mark McMillan a little bit, we've met him and know him, but he had a good friend, who, and that good friend was actually in our connect group, our home group, and um, he was killed tragically in an auto accident. And John Mark wrote that song after that happened. This guy was a special young man. He was probably, I don't know, he was about 21 or 22 going to the Bible school. Special young man and um, just was doing so many great things for the Lord. And now he's with the Lord. But that's the good news. He's with the Lord because of God's grace. And that's, that's what I wanted to speak to you about today is God's grace. Um. And how that applies with heaven. You know, a lot of times we think about heaven, but we really don't put it all together. But heaven is God's eternal plan for us. And it really, it's the best picture of grace that we have. It's an incredible picture of grace. Um, in fact, what he said in Genesis 1, when he went, when, when he uh, was talk, looking at the creation, he said he saw everything that he had made, and he said, "Behold, it was very good." Right? You're all familiar with that. Well, there's a word that's used there. The word is "tolby," and that word, which is talking about for very good, actually has the meaning of gracious. Behold, this is grace. He created everything, and then he looked at it and called it grace. It's his heart. His heart for us is grace and love. And um, so that's been, his, that's been from the very beginning of creation. And then you look at the Bible. So that's in the very first verses of Genesis. And then you read the last verse in Revelation, and it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Cover to cover... This Bible is talking to us about the Lord's grace. So we want to look at, a, look at this in a little different way today. The whole thing, because of the way Adam and Eve chose to move away and be disobedient, you know, we say they fell from grace, right? That's how we explain it. And so because of that, they, they made a disobedient choice which pushed them, pushed them away from grace. But now what we've been looking at, and, and we've actually been doing a study on heaven in our connect group. And we've, we've really had a, a fun time with it, and we've been learning a lot. I think everybody in the group would admit that we've learned a lot. As we've looked at what the, what the Scripture tells us about heaven, there's a lot in there that many times we just read, read, run through, and we don't understand clearly what the Lord's doing for us. But one of the things that we learned is, uh, you know, sometimes people will say, why, why do we want to study heaven? Why do we want to focus on heaven? We really should be focusing on what God's doing with us here. But one of the impacts that we had in our study in, in the Connect group, a number of the people said, you know, what I, since we've been studying heaven and learning more about heaven, it's really given me a deeper understanding and a deeper heart for the lost as we start to understand what God's plan for us is for eternity in heaven, as we start to better understand that whole plan, then it gives us a deeper, um, a deeper love here for the people that aren't going to see that unless they come to know him. 
And so that's our goal today. We just want to better understand what God's plan is for our eternal grace. And, you know, as we look at, as we look at heaven, you've probably heard a lot of things or read a number of things. You know, we hear about the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, or the, the new Jerusalem. Um, there's a lot of different terms that uh, we, the new earth, and sometimes this can get kind of confusing, right? Some of you may have never really even had much teaching in this area. Um, so that's what we'll look at today. And the first thing I'm going to do is, you know, we know right now, we always think about it, when a person dies and they knew the Lord, they had a love of the Lord, we know that they're going to be in heaven, right? And uh, so what I'm going to do just to help us clarify that a little bit is so that it'll, as we work our way through these terms, it'll, maybe it'll help you get a little better handle on it. I'm going to call that this present heaven. That's where they're going right now. That's this present heaven. Because as you'll see, there's some other aspects to heaven that as, as time goes on. So uh, one, of the first, one of the first things that we learn uh, about heaven is when Jesus is on the cross. Remember, he was on the cross, and there were two other uh, uh, people on crosses next to him. And they were, they, were, they were there for reasons that they should be there, right? They were thieves, or they had done, uh, one was a murderer. And do you remember what Jesus said to one of them? Do you remember one of them, the one was mocking him. The one was saying, okay, you're the, you're the king of the Jews. Get yourself down off this cross. And then the other one said, what are you doing? You and I both deserve to be here. Leave him alone. He doesn't deserve to be here. And he turned to Jesus and he said, Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Remember that? And what's Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. Heaven. And Jesus called it paradise. And um, it's interesting because the word there for paradise is, is really pretty defining. And it fits, fits in so well as you're going to hear uh, some additional teachings on this. But the word actually means enclosed garden. It's a restricted area. It's enclosed. And it's a garden. It was the Garden of Eden. He's actually talking about the Garden of Eden. And uh, one of the things that, that um, we see is, as he was talking to them um, in 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 Luke, when he said, today you'll be with me in paradise, is he was, he was referring specifically to this area in heaven. Now, there's also another verse that we're told in Revelations 2, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, remember in the Garden of Eden, we had two trees, right? The tree of um, knowledge and the tree of life. Now, here we're reading in Revelations 2 that the tree of life is in paradise, which is what Jesus was talking about when he said, uh, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, let's just start to think about this. So what this is really showing us, it's, it really it appears like um, the whole idea of the Garden of Eden didn't go away. We didn't hear that God destroyed the Garden of Eden. He never told us that. What he said was man was banished from the Garden of Eden. Man could no longer go back into the Garden of Eden because of the fall. So what we're seeing here in, this, in Revelations, it's showing us that Eden was not really destroyed. It was just, it was just uh, set up in a new way that would prevent man from going there until he came back under grace. 
So that's the first thing. Many times I think we've all, we've kind of looked at it and said, okay, what happened to the Garden of Eden? Where did it go? Is that something that we won't see until the end of all? But we're seeing here that that's probably a picture of the paradise that Jesus was talking about. And then as we go on, the, the thing that's really exciting about this is God's not done with the Garden of Eden. Um, we're, we're told in Revelations 22 that down in the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, the tree of life, here's the tree of life again, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So, the whole thing that's, that's so exciting about this is we know that the earth, the earth itself fell under the curse. In fact, we're told, we'll see another verse on that, that everything fell. All of God's creation fell under the curse. I mean, think about it here. You know, we look at the earth and we've got, we were promised that we we're going to have thorns and, and labor and live by the sweat of our brow and, and all of this, you know, all these things that we're told about in Genesis when, when man fell. And, uh, but the one thing that, it, uh, that we can see here is that Eden remained the same. It didn't change. In fact, it's set there. It's got the tree of life. It's preserved for the healing of the nations. So God's original plan for grace was never, um, was never changed. The garden. It was just set aside and put into a new place until man could come back into it. And so this is really speaking to us about the eternity of God's grace. And that's how, what we want to look at today. And... Um, and how that fits, because that one of the things that we can we'll start to see is there's also the city of Jerusalem, which is God's throne room, which is a part of that, and how all of that will fit into it. Um, you know, the whole idea that that uh, we can be creation itself all fell under the curse. I mean, I've never really thought of that like that before. Have you? I mean, really, we we know the earth fell under the curse. We've got, throw, we've got uh, weeds and thorns and all that stuff. I spent, probably spent half a day yesterday killing weeds in my yard. I was out there spraying Roundup over. I mean, the, the weeds are everywhere, right? Thorns. Can't even go out and play in my rose garden without getting thorns. It's, it's everywhere. But it's much bigger than that. When man fell, God, because of God's plan for man, when man fell, it not only affected that, but we're told it affects the universe. And we'll see that that verse. So it's a much much bigger thing than that. And and the the but the thing that's exciting is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because a lot of times we just look at the power of the resurrection, and rightly so, when we we look back at the cross and we see how Jesus was resurrected, uh, we say, well, you know, that's um that was great because that prepares a way for me to come back into relationship with God. And that's what it does, you know, and that's great. We're all looking for a way to come back into relationship with the Lord, right? That's what we want. That's what we were created for. We were created to be in relationship with him, and and the power of the resurrection does that. But one of the things that I've learned is that the power of resurrection is much greater than that. It was much bigger than making you right with Jesus Christ. It was bringing all of God's creation back into a right place with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's really amazing. Um, one of the things that, we, that we've been told is we, uh, 
you know, we learn in, in science class about the, the law of thermodynamics, right? The laws of thermodynamics. And there's a second law. Anybody know what that second law is? The, the law of entropy. And that what the law of entropy says is that all things uh, are, are, move, are decaying over time, right? That's, so one of the laws that we're living under because of the curse, because we fell from grace, is all things are on a constant path towards decay. That's where, that's where the earth is. That's where creation is. We see that in, in planets and suns. You know, we've all, we've all read about the suns that, that just burn themselves out and then they just collapse, right? That sun is decaying and it just collapses. Think about that. God's planets of the universe are decaying. And it's all back to what took place in the Garden of Eden. Is that mind-boggling? Think about that. But the good news is that the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is bigger than all of that. Through his resurrection, everything is going to be restored. Scripture is very clear on that, and we'll, we'll show you that here in just a minute. It's all going to be restored back to its original, original condition as it was when God started creation in Genesis 1. Uh, we're going to go back to the place we were in the Garden of Eden, the place where man was. I mean, that's what a restored uh, person is. When we go to heaven, we are restored through Jesus Christ. And, and that brings us back to that place. The same thing's going to happen to the universe. The earth is going to be restored. The animals are going to be restored. All of God's creation is going to be restored through the power of the resurrection. This really brings us, makes that verse... That we love that God, he who the sun sets free, is free indeed. And it's much more than who, but it's whatever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. And that's what Jesus is going to do for the entire universe. Isn't that exciting? Now, one of the things that God promises when he promises to restore all things is in Acts 3.21... And it says, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So Jesus promised us that. He promised it because God promised it. And he's waiting right now for that time to come when all things will be restored and renewed. One of the things that's going to be restored is the earth that we're on today. That's what's called the new earth. And um, the new earth, as, as we read in Second Peter, um, will be resurrected just like the rest of creation. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So here we're, talk, we're talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And I want to set all of this stage here and go through a, number, a few more verses to get this set so that we can then start to, to really um, better understand what the Lord's doing through all of this. Now, with the new earth as it's set up, um, think about it. I mean, this, this earth that we're on is a beautiful, beautiful place, right? I mean, you love to go up in the mountains, the snow-capped mountains and, and the beauty of the mountains. I love to go up to the mountains and fish. Get out, get out on a stream and fish. Or maybe you love to go out into the desert and, and see the beauty of the desert. Or down to, by the ocean. 
I mean, there's just so, the Grand Canyon. How many of you have seen the Grand Canyon? It's incredible, right? That's all God's beauty. But in the midst of it, then we're dealing with all these other things. The pain. The frustrations of life. The, um, you know, the fact that when you go to the Grand Canyon, if you don't watch, a, a, a mountain lion or a coyote could come and eat you. Right? Because they fell under the curse too. Or if you go down to the sea, you're enjoying the ocean, a great white could come up and take off your leg. Because the great whites are under the curse also. So we've got all this beauty, but there's also bad stuff there, right? But once we come back to the new earth, when it's totally restored, it's going to be all that we love here and more. I think it's going to be so much more than we can even imagine. We're just seeing a foreshadow of it. But none of the bad stuff will be there. There's not going to be animals that want to eat us up or sharks that want to come after us. or There's not going to be mosquitoes that are this big buzzing around, you know, harassing you. Um, it's, all the bad stuff will be gone, but it's, it's, the earth itself will be restored as the new earth. And the Old Testament talks a lot about the new earth and the new Jerusalem. It doesn't talk much about heaven today, the present heaven or paradise that we've talked about. But it does talk a lot about the, the new earth and the new heavens. And we can see that in, um, in Isaiah. This is, this is a great verse. And let's just, let's just read through this and, and look at some key components of it. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem. This is a new Jerusalem. To be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man. I really like this part. There no more old man, right, who does not live out his years. For the one who dies at a hundred will be thought to be a mere child. In other words, the whole thing of age is going to go away. The one who... Fails to reach a hundred will be will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in him. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. Have you ever done work that you felt like you didn't get the fruit from it? I mean that that can be painful. You just you, uh, we've we've moved a lot over the years and. Um, we, when I was, uh, I was in the corporate world, and we were moving about every two or three years, and we'd move to a house, and so then we'd start to fix it up. You know, we'd, we'd put a skylight in it, or we'd, at, we'd build a deck, or we'd, you know, tear out the yard and plant a new yard, and then boom, we'd move again. And Kathy'd say, we don't ever get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. We move on to a next place, and we, we plant some trees, plant some fruit trees, plant something else. Boom, we move on. We never tasted any of the fruit. We planted some trees. We've done a lot of that over the years. That's never going to happen again here. We're going to, um, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. You're going to enjoy the fruits of your labor. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The wolf's not going to be eating the lamb. 
or your cat. That I don't mind so much. I'm allergic to cats. I get deathly sick around cats. That's a whole other story. We, we, had a, we had this beautiful cat. I, I bought her a beautiful cat. And it was a Himalayan. And all of a sudden we realized I was allergic. So we put the beautiful cat outside and the coyotes ate it. Okay. But that won't happen on the new earth. You can have all the cats you want and I won't be allergic to them. They will neither harm nor destroy all, destroy all my holy mountains, says the Lord. You know, um, I love this because uh, we, you know, as people, there's always this big, big discussion about how we're taking care of the earth, you know, um, and, and the environmentalists. And I consider myself an environmentalist. The environmentalists said we're not taking care of the earth and we're, there's things we need to do better to take care of the earth. I love the environment and I'm... I don't, you know, I like I go out and when I go out and fish, I don't kill the fish. I release the fish. I'm an environmentalist. But the whole thing that we said is, you know what, man, we're never going to fix the problem here. Environmentalists, we're never going to fix the problem. But God's going to fix the problem. He promises us here. They will neither harm nor destroy all my holy mountain. God's going to fix it so that man can no longer destroy the earth. Because it's going to be the perfect earth, the new earth. That's good stuff, isn't it? Now, there's a lot that's good, we, a lot in that verse. So now we're going to get away from the pain and the sorrow, right? No more frustrations, and and um, we're going to be able to enjoy the fruit of our labors. The new earth is going to be our eternal heaven. See, this is something that I think a lot of people get confused on. We think of the present heaven that we hear about now, that we know where our loved ones who know Jesus Christ go to be in the present heaven. And when, if we died today, that's where we would go. But that will not be our eternal resting place with the Lord. The new earth is going to be our eternal resting place with the Lord. That's where heaven will be, heaven on earth. And so we're going to get to enjoy earth in a whole new way as it's our eternal heaven. And as we, as we learn a little bit more about that, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be amazing all the things that we'll be able to do on the new earth to enjoy and the way we're going to enjoy it. Now, one of the things that that um, that we read about is over the years, the Lord has given some people special glimpses of heaven. He gave Paul. He took Paul up into the third heaven, and we read about that. John, in the book of Revelation, wrote down the visions that he saw when the Lord took him up to heaven. Um, And we've got countless other people. It's really interesting. Over the centuries that God has chosen periodically to take people and give them a glimpse of heaven. And I believe it's for the very purpose of help so that they can come back and help us understand God's grace and what he has planned for us. Because the Bible's not real clear on it. It's not 100, I mean, it's not totally clear. Sometimes it gets confusing. These verses all, as you put them together and start to see them ordered together, really help clarify it. But the thing that's really interesting on all these people that, and there are just hundreds of records of people over the years who have had glimpses of heaven. And the thing that's amazing is that they all are sharing common insights. Uh, some of the famous ones, 
Um, one is uh, uh, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. His name is Sundar Singh, and he was in the early 1900s in, in India. Amazing story. This young guy, he was a 14-year-old boy. His mom died. He was orphaned. He was put into a Christian uh, orphanage, missionary orphanage. And he turned in. I mean, he just went crazy. He was being so mean to the teachers. I mean, doing unspeakable things. He was out of control. To the point that he was, he was headed towards suicide. And the Lord, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. And then Jesus took him to heaven and gave him a vision of heaven. And he shares in his writings what he saw, the glimpses of heaven. He came back on earth. He became what they called the walking missionary. He um, walked over, he did over 120 missionary trips where he was walking over 1,000 miles per trip. Walking around, spreading the gospel, sharing the good news, sharing God's love and God's grace. So this, this little boy that was so angry and mean and frustrated... Through a glimpse of Jesus Christ. And then he kept sharing what he saw in heaven. Another, another great example is a guy named John Bunyan. Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was in a terrible state. He was headed towards suicide as well. He had a vision of Jesus Christ. Jesus took him to heaven. Showed him glimpses of heaven. He documented them all. Came back. back wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, became one of the greatest revivalists that the, the earth has ever seen. And it's interesting as you compile all these things that they share about heaven, how common, the, the commonality throughout them. Um, another one is, is the, the man who started the uh, Salvation Army, William Booth, General Booth. He was in a tough, tough place. Had a visitation from Jesus. Jesus took him to heaven. He came back, started the Salvation Army, and it's impacted the world. So I say all of that to say that we've got a lot of people where we've seen the fruit from their lives who God has shown heaven. And we look at the things that they saw in heaven and there's some real commonality. And I'm going to share a few of those glimpses with you here this morning about what heaven is like based on these, these types of testimonies. One of the things that um, um, there's, there's some kids I love I loved to share this thing about kids and kids and, and what they've seen as they've gone to heaven. Because we're talking about people, and a lot of the people that we have the encounters and hear about the encounters, they don't know the Bible, they weren't believers. It's like these kids I'm about to talk to you about. So they're not, they're not going with a preconceived idea. They're just seeing Jesus, and he's showing them what heaven's about. And... Um, some of you may have uh, may have know Colton Burpo. He was there recently in a movie called um, Heaven Is For Real and the book Heaven Is For Real. How many of you have either read or seen the movie Heaven Is For Real? A lot of you. Okay, great. Highly recommend it. Interesting story. This little guy, four years old, his dad's a pastor, and he has a near-death experience. He's in the hospital, and uh, all of a sudden he's out of body and, and he's up on his way somewhere, uh, and uh, his parents didn't know anything about this. When he comes back from his visit with Jesus in heaven, over, a few, over months he starts to share things that he saw. 
And it just freaked his parents out. He started out by saying, Dad, why were you in the chapel saying, getting angry with God when Mom was over in this other room making telephone calls and asking people to pray for me? What was, what was going on? It, it just, his dad said, what? How did you know that? He said, well, I saw you. He was up above him, and he saw what was going on. And so over time, he kept sharing um, things that he saw, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Another, another group of kids, which is an amazing story, um, are the kids of Adullam. How many of you have ever heard of the kids of Adullam? Um, Heidi Baker, Roland and Heidi Baker, great missionaries out all over. Anthony, Anthony knows Heidi Baker. The, his grand, Roland's grandparents um, had an orf, uh, set up an orphanage. Um, they didn't call it an orphanage. They called it a mission for children in, um, in China in the early 1900s, 1930s. And they brought these kids in off the street. They were thieves and, you know, just street kids trying to I call them thieves. They were trying to live. They were homeless. So, yeah, they were thieves because they were trying to get food to live, right? They were just, you know, doing whatever they had to do to survive. And so they brought them in and started to teach them. Uh, had set up a school for them, started to teach them the Bible. And in very early on, some amazing things started happening. There were some amazing um, encounters that they had with the Lord. These kids were from 6 to 16 years old. And um, they started to have a series of visions of heaven. And they were all having them individually. One would be over here and have a vision, and one would be over in another place having a vision. And when they came back, they saw the same things. And they were scriptural. What they saw was scriptural, but they didn't know the Bible. You know, they were just starting to, starting to learn about the Bible. And uh, they would describe in great detail what they experienced and what they saw. And the thing that always comes back is the great love, which is the grace of God that they experienced. And the tremendous impact that it had on these kids. These, boy, these kids, most of them were boys, there were some girls. But after just a few weeks of these visions, they wanted to start preaching. And they got out on the streets and started preaching. And the bakers described it as the best preaching that China had ever seen. Coming from kids that didn't know anything, but they did know Jesus Christ. Amazing. The um, I recently saw a testimony of a man who was a proclaimed atheist. He was a professor, and uh, he was in Europe on a trip, and was in the hospital, had a near-death experience. Uh, some he heard some voices. They called him out of the room. He left the room, saw himself leaving his body. He got out, and these were demons. These demons started taking him into he called described as a darker and darker place. And all he could do, he was just started freaking out. And all he could do is he could remember he had gone to some Sunday school when he was little, and he started to sing, "Jesus loves me." Instantly, the light of Jesus Christ appeared. Jesus took him took him to heaven, gave him visions of heaven. He came back to the hospital and started witnessing and, t- and testifying to the power of Jesus Christ on his, on his deathbed. He went from an atheist to a believer through a vision of Jesus Christ. 
Amazing stuff. And it's all because of the love and grace of, of Jesus Christ. So what I wanted to do was just share some glimpses that some of these people have seen because they are commonality and they do tie into the scriptures that we've been looking at. Because I think it will help build our hope and our faith in what God's plan is for all of us. And as we do that, I think we can then share that in a deeper way with those around us. Because it, we may not have had the vision ourselves, but we can capitalize on the visions that these people have had until we get our own vision, right? Okay. Um, one of the things, some of the common th- commonality that, that's clear, is we're going to see friends and family that had previously died. You know, you always hear those stories. You don't, you know, and that, that's the interesting thing. Some of these people that are dying and going to heaven are atheists. Others don't know anything. Others are strong believers. But one of the common things is you never hear them come back and say, I saw my friends and family that had died. And, oh, by the way, I also saw some of you that are living. They don't see the living when they go to heaven, right? They see the people who have died. And they are friends and family. And the thing that's important about it is they recognize them. Those relationships. We know Jesus. The whole thing we talk about is uh, that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And, and we see here how important relationships are because the relationships that they had with their loved ones on earth continue when they see him in heaven. Relationship is, is one of God's very important things for us. That's why our, it, I, I believe it's, it's set up that way because the whole thing, he created us for relationship with him. We were created to be in relationship. That's why our relationships here are so important as we're getting ready for the, for the future. So they see people and they recognize them. Colton, the little boy. This is an amazing story. He gets up there and this little girl comes and gives him a big hug. And says, I'm your sister. That he didn't know. He's four years old. So he comes back. And he says, Mom, I saw my sister. Now, he had one sister that was living. He said, I saw my sister that died when she was a baby. Well, she actually hadn't been born, but he didn't understand all that. It was a miscarriage. She was in heaven. She saw him and loved him, told her mom, described her. Her mom just, because he, a little four-year-old, didn't know anything about this stuff, didn't know anything about a miscarriage. And uh, it, his, it, it really turned his mom's heart around and blessed her. In fact, she said, well, what was her name? He said, well, she didn't have a name, Mom. She said you hadn't named her yet. Amazing. The boys, the, the, the Doolin boys, they were out on the street doing their ministry, witnessing and sharing. And um, there was a college student. And they started telling him about Jesus Christ. And this college student said, who are you guys? I mean, you guys, you don't know anything. I'm going to the university. Who are you to tell me about God? There is no God. And he stood up for his atheism. And he pushed them away that what they knew was nothing. And, you know, they went away. Well, unfortunately, that boy died a week later in a tragic accident. One of the boys... Actually had a vision in heaven, was in heaven, and then he was sent down to hell. And that boy that pushed him away on the street started pleading with him, help get me out of here. Get me out of this place. And he said, I can't. It's too late. 
There have been a lot of those types of pictures of, of the horror of not being in God's presence. Heaven is in God's presence. Hell is without God's presence. Being without God's presence. There's a deep, deep feeling of love and the bright light of Jesus common to all of these, all of these. And you hear it a lot. I was talking to a person here about this a few weeks ago, and he said, I was having a heart attack, and I actually had a near-death experience. And I said, really? Tell me, what, what, did, what did you experience? He said, all I can tell you, and he started to weep. He couldn't even talk about it. All I can tell you was, I felt the love. I've not, this love was so intense. I just felt the love. The love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're headed for. The beauty, indescribable beauty. All of these people, what they talk about, just go on and on and on about the indescribable beauty. And, you you know, you hear those stories. Uh, But it's always this park-like setting. And um, lots of animals. And, And like these kids from... Adulam. Well, actually, Colton talked about it too, but the kids from Adulam, they were out there, they were riding the deer, they were laying, jumping on the lions, playing with the lions in the field, just enjoying the animals. And Colton talked about the animals too. And, and, and again, it's, it's real common about the, how just being with the animals, because the animals are, again, no longer under the curse. The, the trees, you know, the beauty of the trees. We read about the trees that line the river of life, and that they're each producing their own fruit every month. Um, but the trees and the incredible fruit, um, the food, uh, all of those things, they, they see diamonds and gold, and the colors are so vivid. They talk about it. I'm going to t- show you one a little girl in a minute. But they talk about these colors and how the colors are just so far beyond any colors we've ever seen. And I forget what our color spectrum is, but it's like just so much bigger, and they're just more colors and uh, they just can't describe it all. The, uh, the the fragrances, the innocence, the love. They go on and on, and that's how they describe it. Um, so just you know the beauty. Uh, this this is really interesting. The whole thing about the people in the are in their prime. Uh, this, again, this gets me excited as an old man. Mary, do I get a witness? I have brown hair. <laughs> you know what? Mary and I discovered, this is interesting, a long time ago, I went, my first year in college, I went to Colorado State University. Well, guess who was at Colorado State University that same year? Mary. We, I, we didn't know each other, but we found out we were there at the same time. That, it, it does. It definitely does. Um, people in their prime. The way they describe the people there is they're all typically in their 30s to 35s to 40 or something like that. They're in the prime of life. And um, they have bodies. You know, they recognize each other. They do see each other and recognize each other. 
Um, you know, we look at it and we look at Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, he came back to earth with a physical body, right? Everybody recognized. I mean, he hid himself at times, but when he didn't hide himself, they recognized him. They knew him. So they saw his resurrected body. Now, even though he was going through walls and doing supernatural things, he had a resurrected body that somehow does supernatural things. So we're all, we're thinking that's probably what the bodies could be like in heaven. But this whole thing with, um, uh, this whole thing with people being in their prime in this beautiful place. I mean, sit back and think about it a minute. A person who's blind here on earth will now have sight and be able to see all the wonderful things and more than they never saw. Or a person who's physically handicapped here on earth will go to be heaven, go to heaven and not have a physical handicap, they'll have a resurrected body with no physical handicap. You start to think about it in those kinds of terms. It's great. Um, it's just it's it's it, it can be overwhelming. I love this story. Um, Colton, the little four-year-old, one day he's out walking with his dad and he says, um, I saw Pops. Pops was his dad's grandfather, so it's Colton's great-grandfather. He said, what do you mean you saw him? He said, I saw him in heaven. He said, really? Yeah, and he told, told him how much he loved him, how nice he was. And his dad started showing him pictures. He goes, no, that's not Pops. He was showing him pictures of him right before he had died. No, that's not Pops. That's not Pops. His dad actually got a picture of his grandfather when he was in about 35 and showed it to him. He goes, yeah, that's Pops. That's who I saw in heaven in his, in his uh, prime of life. Uh, there's going to be lots of festivals, feasts in heaven, eating and drinking and parties. We hear about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, we get a pictures of the marriage supper of the Lamb. We know Jesus ate. He came back and had a fish fry on the, on the beach, right? Fed, fed his friends fish, had a fish fry with them. Um, this whole thing about the incredible food. The boys from Adullam, some of the kids from Adullam, they were eating this fruit, which was so amazing. And one of, one of them actually, so he put the fruit in his pocket came back to the bakers, his, the people who were taking care of him, and he reached in his pocket to give them the fruit and realized it wasn't there. But he just so much wanted them to see and taste this incredible food that he had in heaven. It was so real to him that he was disappointed when it, all of a sudden, why isn't it in my pocket now that I'm back here? He just, you know, it didn't make sense to him. Revelations 22 does talk about the river of life as, a, uh, as clear as crystal, lined with trees, that bear fruit, 12 different crops throughout the year. And Jesus says, uh, I appoint unto you a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So we're going to be eating and drinking at Jesus' table in his kingdom. That's going to be exciting. Uh, now I want to just shift gears for a minute and talk about the new Jerusalem, because that's a little different piece of it. The new Jerusalem in Revelation 21 were told, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared for a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So we start to get this picture of what the new Jerusalem is, which is God's holy city. 
And it's coming down to the new earth, as we're told here in Revelation 21. And then we go on and um, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. So he's bringing his dwelling place back to among the people as it was with the Garden of Eden. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and with their God. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old things have passed away. And so this whole idea that the new Jerusalem is God's throne room. And so while we're on the new earth, and we're going to be enjoying the new earth, we're also going to be worshiping. Now, that's one of the first things that, that kind of hit me as I'm going through all this. I always said, kind of had these visions, you know, of, I was, in fact, I, I'm going to be honest and say, man, the thought of worshiping God 24-7 for eternity, that might get a little boring. Anybody ever thought that? It's like, I don't know. I mean, I love to worship the Lord. I want to worship him, but can I really do that 24-7? Well, we're starting to get a picture here that it's going to be more than that. Yes, we're going to be worshiping him. From everything we do, everything we're doing is going to be worshiping him. But we're also going to be involved in other types of things. You know, building these mansions and, you know, doing these other... I think we're going to be enjoying the, 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 the fruits of his labor. The new earth is his labor. And we're going to be enjoying the fruits of his labor. So it's going to be much more than just worshiping him. But we will be going to the throne room of God and worshiping him. And Jesus talked, or uh, Colton talked about that. He talked about seeing God and seeing Jesus and going to the throne room. And he was very explicit about it. And so his dad started, and for months and months, he kept finding all these pictures of Jesus and saying, is this what Jesus looked like? No, no. Is this what Jesus looked like? No, no. And um, then one day, his dad was surfing the net, and he, this slide popped up, and Colton saw it and said, that's Jesus. And here's the picture. This is a painting that a girl named Akiana Kramerik painted when she went to heaven when she was four years old. She came back and painted this when she was eight. Um, she's an amazing girl. I saw a video. Chris Volatin of uh, Bethel interviewed her. I saw a video of that recently. She's about 18, I think, now. She's uh, an incredible painter, um, artist. And they, you can go on her website and you can see her, doc, her documented work through the years and how it, it's amazing. Um, she a, a po- writes poetry, which is incredible. She's decided she wanted to learn music, so she started learning piano and she's composing. And, I mean, she's, an ama- she's a child prodigy, amazing. But she was born in an atheistic family. They were atheists in Illinois. And when she was four, she had a vision of Jesus. She started seeing heaven. She regularly has these visions. And uh, through time, her family all became believers. And um, I just find it really interesting that she's over here. She paints this picture, and Colton sees it. And so they at least saw the same picture of Jesus. Now, what he looks like, I don't know, but they at least both saw the same thing. That's pretty neat, isn't it? So um, we just have so much to learn, so much to, we just, we're scratching the surface. There's so much we don't know. But the, the message I want to come out of all this today is God's love and grace is so much more than we understand. These are just glimpses of it. 
That's what we're going to have for eternity. One of the things that we, we've been studying and, and, and seems to be clear, I think we've got the scripture to support it, it makes sense to me, is we are going to keep learning for eternity. It's not like we're going to get there and know everything because God is eternal and Jesus is eternal and they're continuing to develop. And so we're going to continue learning and developing because we're being transformed into his image and we're never going to catch up with his image. So we're going to get there and just keep learning. A lot of the things we've learned here we'll be using there. Some suggest that, you know, things like that we enjoy doing here or culture or, you know, like I enjoy doing woodworking. I may be doing woodworking there. Well, you know, we don't know. This is so far beyond us. A lot, you know, and I've heard people say, well, heaven is what you want it to be. That kind of starts to fit that. But it's all with under the love and grace of God. So I don't want to take this outside of what the scriptures are telling us here. But the scriptures are very clear that we're going to be enjoying God on the new earth in the new Jerusalem for eternity. And it's a a very powerful uh, message of love and grace. Would you close your eyes? I want to go back to that story of the uh, Doolin boy and how he had shared his heart. And um, then he saw the, per, the college student in hell in torment because he was outside the presence of God. And there was nothing else that could be done. We all have a chance today to make sure that we know we are going to heaven and we are going to be with Jesus. That's our chance. We can all make that choice today. Just as Adam and Eve made a choice to fall from grace, we can choose right now to walk back under grace by making Jesus our Lord and Savior. So I want to make sure that we give an opportunity for that. Is there anyone here that has not made that decision that would like to make that choice today? Just raise your hand. You can settle it for sure. You can settle it for eternity. Just say today's the day. Anyone? Okay, I don't see any hands. If, there's a, if there is someone, you can come down afterwards and talk to me. But let's just close in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that you are the God of grace. And we look at... We look from Genesis 1 in creation to Revelation 22. This book is all based on your grace and your love. We thank you for the glimpses of your grace that you've given us through all these people over the, over the centuries. From Paul and John and all the others that we've shared today. So that we can know your heart in a deeper way. I pray for all of these here. That the levels of hope and faith will be raised as we set our eyes on you and the eternity of being in your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.